Good to see you. We can't see you on live stream or podcast, but we're glad you're there. We can all join together around the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you all have a good day? What's the best part of a good day? It can only get better. It's the best part of a bad day. It can only get better. So no matter where you're at, it can only get better. Aren't you glad? Amen, amen. Uh, Why don't you find your place in Psalm 81, and we're going to start over there this evening. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pedro and Barbara, welcome. It's good to have you with us. Amen, 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 amen. Oh, Father, we love you. We honor you. We bless you, Lord. We give you all the praise and all the glory. For you alone are worthy. You're the glorious King, the majestic Lord, the mighty one. You are the everlasting Father. Thank you, Lord. There is no end to the increase of your kingdom. Oh, we give you all the adoration and all the worship, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your life that you gave for us, your life that you gave to us, that we could not just have the results of what you've done, but we can actually have you in us and have your life. Thank you, Lord. We continue to grow in your divine nature, continue to develop in conforming to your image, and continue to increase in walking in a manner worthy of you. Lord, we come and sit at your feet today and give ourselves to you that by your Holy Spirit you'll teach us and impart revelation into our heart that the power of hell is not in any way able to stand against it. Lord, I thank you for your anointing that comes on the word that removes burdens and destroys yokes. And I give you all the glory and all the honor for the rock of revelation knowledge in which we can stand. We thank you for it, and we honor you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Did you find Psalm 81? We're going to read verses 13 through 16. He says, oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Those who hate the Lord would pretend obedience to him, And their time of punishment would be forever. But I would feed you with the finest of wheat. And with honey from the rock, I will satisfy you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let me read it to you from the Moffat translation. James Moffat says, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would live my life. I would quickly subdue their enemies and strike at their oppressors. Those who hate the Lord would cower before them in unending terror. But I will feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock till your heart's content. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. You know, I love to eat cashews. And sometimes I can eat so many cashews, I'm like, oh, I've had enough. I'm, I'm, I'm just up to here with them, you know. And, and, you know, cashews are rich, I guess they say. So, um, you know, I can eat a bunch of them, but at a certain point, I got to say, oh, that's enough. I just can't eat. You know, so I can imagine honey from the rock to your heart's content. Ooh, better than cashews. <laughs> you know, when I um, first got saved and um, I was in the church that the Lord directed me to, 
funny how you don't know the Lord, but he does direct you places. And I was in the church that he had set me in. He told me to be there every time the doors were open. And I got involved in the church and everything that was going on in the church. I got involved in working in the church. And the Holy Spirit was dealing with me about my time spending in his word, time with my family. Because I um, just didn't have a lot of time there because of other stuff I shouldn't have been doing. And then at the point, it came to a certain point where he called me into the ministry. And for all of this actually to take place, it took major changes on my part in my life. I'm sure that when I got saved, I was not as holy as you were. So for me, it took some major change in my life. And it took, on my part, it took major pressing into God and major pursuing God. Because without the pressing and the pursuing, there is no change. And if God's dealing with you about some stuff that's going to take some change, you've got to press and you've got to pursue. So this isn't something that happened overnight. This was over a, quite a bit of a period of time. And, you know, he dealt with my character flaws. I had a bunch of character flaws. In fact, they were so bad they were under the floor. They were way down there, you know. And um, so ultimately what I had was a checkup from the neck up. And had to get a lot of things straightened out in my life. Because when I got saved, everything was wrong. But because of doing that, when troubles arose in my life, I could look around. Okay? I looked at my life. And I saw I was in the church God wanted me to be in. I was in his word and growing in him like he wanted me to. I was working on my character like he wanted me to work on it. I was giving myself to my family giving myself to the calling that he had put on me, in me rather, and therefore I could look around at my life and I could see his life. But I, you know, and of course it was as much as I knew. I'm perfect? Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know. But it was as much as I knew. You can't do more than what you know. Isn't that right? And that's why it's always important to know more because you can only do what you know. And sometimes we say, well, think, why don't things work? And it's because you just don't know enough. You know, it's like we always say, your car breaks down on the side of the road. All you know is turn the key. But I turn the key. It isn't starting. Why isn't it starting? I'm doing everything I know to do because you don't know enough to do. So this is why we grow in God. Your life right now is as far as you've grown in God. And if you think that that's as good as it can be, I'll leave it right there. So, as far as I knew, I was doing what God had told me to do in my life. So, therefore, because I was listening to him and I was living his life and obeying him, right? So, therefore, I could believe him according to his word. I mean, that's what gave me the confidence and made my life solid. See, if I'm not living for him, I don't know about you, but there's times that I've just been Busy, 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 and it's like, oh, I need something, and you want to run into the presence of God. It's like, I can't ask you for nothing the way I've been living. I need to sit here and get right with you. I understand God's a God of covenant, but you ought to keep your side too. So because I would look at my life and see that I was doing those things, listening, obeying, and walking in, his life as well as I knew to do, then I could believe him according to his word, and I believe that he would subdue my enemies. 
I would talk to the Lord about the things that I was facing in life, okay? And um, I would declare what his word said. I would declare my hopes. I would declare my faith. I would declare what my expectation of results was. And then I would thank him for it. Well, I don't know if you can, you know, expect God to. Why not? He said so. That's like, uh, you know, you tell your child, you eat all your dinner on a, and you can have a chocolate chip cookie. And your child eats all their dinner. They're like, well, I don't know if I should ask for that chocolate chip cookie. Why not? You said you could have it already. It was already given. All you're doing is saying, I'll take my chocolate chip cookie now. And you don't have to explain that to a child. He knows. <laughs> you know, but as you get older, you just get smart. No, we need to stay like children. Amen. So I knew that because I was doing the things he's asked me to do, he'll do the things I've asked him to do because we work together with co-workers, right? I held to his word. I obeyed his word as much as I could according to what I knew, the revelation I had at that particular time I was doing. But yet I always looked to grow, and I always looked to increase, increase in what I knew, which means I'll increase in what I do. You don't increase in what you know if you don't increase in what you do. What happens if you eat too much and never exercise? We won't go there, but you know. Well, it's the same thing with the Word of God. You eat, you eat, you eat, you eat, you eat. You know, but then all of a sudden you get to become a fat, lethargic spirit. And you can't move. Because you're not exercising. You're not doing what you're taking in. It's important to do what you take in. So I don't mean any of that in a rude way. I'm talking in spiritual things. So therefore, I could have great expectations. This is what God said. That's the way it's going to be. You know, it's like Abraham. And I'm probably going to refer to scriptures tonight. And you can write them down without us going to them. We'll go to some of them, but not all of them. But in Romans 4.18, you know, it says that in hope against hope, Abraham believed. You know, he believed on in faith is what it says. I mean, I'm sorry, he hoped on in faith, right? So that's what we do. We hope on because the results are not here yet, so we're hoping on, but we're doing it in faith, knowing that the results will be here knowing that God is able and knowing God's willing. That's two important things. It's one thing, you know, everybody knows God's able. But not everybody knows God's willing. He said you could have the chocolate chip cookie. What's the problem? He's able, he's willing. Isn't that right? You know, in Psalm 37, it says, one day you're going to look and suddenly your enemy will be no more. Amen. And, you know, it's just like when Israel left Egypt, and they came out to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh chased after them, and the mountains were on each side, the Red Sea's in front of them, and Pharaoh's coming up behind them. And Pharaoh thought, this God of Moses, what kind of a commander is he? He leads his people into a place there's no way out. <laughs> yeah, no way out for you, Pharaoh. So, you know, so Moses is up on the rock, and he says to the people this day you will see your enemies you will not see your enemies again forever paraphrased 
Okay, so we know he stood on the rock, the, the sea divided. They went across on dry ground. They didn't go in knee-deep water. They didn't go in soggy, slushy mud. They went across on dry ground. So they get to the other side. Pharaoh sends his army in after them. Big mistake. And the waters close over. Why? Because the waters weren't open for Pharaoh. The waters don't open for your enemy. The waters open for you. And as scary as it might look to go through the water, it's your way of escape. And if your enemy tries to follow you, it'll be his demise. And the children of Israel never saw the Egyptians again alive. They saw them dead on the seashore as a non-existent threat. You'll look and your enemy will be no more. It's become a non-existent threat. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, he said that he would quickly subdue their enemies and turn his hand against our adversaries. Well, I've seen the Lord turn his hand. He's seen him strike our adversaries, you know. And I'm not talking about people. Because our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's, it's a spiritual fight against the spiritual forces of wickedness, right? But here's the deal. If people are being directed by those forces, they're going to have to get out of the way. They're going to have to be removed. They're going to either have to choose to get out of the way or they will be removed. One way or the other, right? So you have to understand that the spiritual forces we're standing against. How many times do we deal with situations that seem so hard to break through because you're dealing with the flesh? and not dealing with the spiritual forces behind the situation. It's about spiritual wickedness in the, in the high places, and the high places is, depends on how, how, how tall you are. You know, for me, the high places are right here. You know, for Mark, it's going to be a little higher. For Brian, it's going to be a little higher. For Pastor Tim, it's going to be a lot higher. <laughs> because the high places is your mind. That's the high places. It's not the heavenlies. It's right here in your mind. That's the battlefield. And that's where he deals with everybody. So if you want to break opposition in your life, you have to deal with those spiritual forces that's dealing with the mind. It's always a spiritual battle. It's never against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood has just been dumb enough to give themselves to those forces. You know what I mean. Before you got saved, you had no problem giving yourself to those forces. Or maybe it was just me. I don't know, but you look like you could fit into that category too, <laughs> you know. So if you hold to the wrong thing, you're going to shake with that thing. You got to hold to the kingdom that can't be shaken. Daniel, he stood in faith for his answer. And then Michael came and helped the messenger angel to get through the spiritual darkness in order to get the answer to Daniel. Amen. Hallelujah. So what was the answer that Daniel needed? It was about the switch of governments. It, I think it was from the Persian government to the Grecian government. That's what it was all about. But Daniel didn't fight against the government. <laughs> Daniel didn't fight against the people. Daniel didn't fight against Congress. Daniel didn't fight against the DOJ. He fought against the spiritual forces, and the spiritual forces came through the darkness and brought the answer. 
and it created the change. If my people that are called by my name will get, stop being arrogant and be humble and get on their face and pray and turn from their own evil ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal them. I will do what's necessary to heal the things of the land. Amen. Amen. And the enemy will always want to get you down there on that natural mental realm to do battle. And it said, those who hate the Lord would pretend obedience to him. The Moffat translation said, those who hate the Lord would cower before them. Who's them? The ones that listen and obey. They will cower before them in unending terror. Glory to God. Amen. So the enemies will cower in terror. Well, isn't that what the book of James tells us? James, uh, James 4, 7, if you submit to God and resist the devil, then the devil will flee from you. And it actually says, as one in terror. He'll flee from you as one in terror. Why? Because we resist him? No, because you submit to God. Submitting to God is your resistance. You just turn your back on the devil and submit yourself to God. How do you submit? Listen and obey. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. Over and over and over and over. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. Yeah, but what about? Listen and obey. Listen and obey. Yeah, but I got to know. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. Because you get that working in your life, and you always have God working on your side. Now, you can come over here and kick somebody's little fanny and fix the whole situation up, but you won't have God working on your side, and another fanny is going to be coming along. Yeah. <laughs> Are you with me? Do you understand? Listen and obey. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness? He held to God by declaring God's word. It is written. It is written. It is written, he declared God's word over the temptation and the test. The first test, if you're the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Second test, brings him up on the pinnacle of the temple. Go ahead and throw yourself down. I, you all these kingdoms, you know. And then he says, all these kingdoms have been handed over to me, and I give them to whoever I wish. Well, you see, Jesus loved God more than he loved food. Jesus loved God more than he loved the kingdoms. Jesus loved God more than the deceptiveness of riches. And therefore, no matter what the devil promised and no matter what he could see, he loved God more. So therefore, he held to God, declared what the word of God said. And said, devil, you're going to have to move. You've thrown everything you can and you've tried to penetrate because that's, you know, that's what devil means, right? Devil's not his name. Satan is his name, but devil is his mode of operation. The Greek, diabolos, diabolos, diabolos. Dia means to strike, and balos means over and over and over again. So it's like you throw a rock at the wall, and you throw it over and over and hit the same spot over and over until you penetrate through the other side of the wall. And that's what he does in your thinking, over and over and over again. Try to beat you down, try to get you to submit, Try to get you to relent, try to get you to quit, try to get you to give up over and over and over again. He is the original abuser. 
and it's all in the mental realm. Amen. But if you love God more, you just hold to the word of God and declare what the word of God says. Amen. So therefore, Jesus was submitted to God. It is written, it is written, it is written. And by his being submitted to God, he resisted the devil. And what does it say? The devil fled for an opportune time. He saw there was no access. He didn't have any inroad. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, it tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, be of sober spirit. The advers your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He's seeking someone to devour. That means that he cannot just choose to devour. He wants to. He tries to. But it's all up to you whether he does. It's your choice. If you'll give in to what he says, then he'll devour you. But if you continue to stand on the word of God, he's got no chance. Submit to God. Resist the devil. No entrance will be found. How do you submit to God? Listen, obey. Listen, obey. If you listen and obey, God will subdue and strike. Listen and obey, God will subdue and strike. Remember what we talked about in Isaiah chapter 7? Be calm, take care, be calm, no fear. Take care, be calm, no fear. Take care, be calm, no fear. In an updated way of saying it would be never let them see you sweat. Take care, be calm, no fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, what is it that the devil gets you into fear about? And I'm not talking about horrendous terror. I'm talking about timidity. I'm talking about not sure if you want to press into doing something. I'm talking about, uh, you know, there's just too many people there for me. That's all based in fear. You were designed to be around people. That's why there's so many of them. But, you know, a lot of times we don't think something's fear, but yes, it is. It's rooted in fear, and therefore it causes us to be timid. It causes us to hold back, holds up, causes us to keep back, stay away, not press in, not press on, not press forward. Amen. You need to dial in to the Word of God and the Holy Ghost. You know, the old um, receiver and transmitter, you know, your Wi-Fi is like that. You know, your, your phone is like a, uh, I guess it's like a receiver. And then the Wi-Fi is the transmitter. And then the Wi-Fi sends a signal out. Your phone picks it up. And then you can send out text and do whatever other stuff you want to do. Of course, your phone is picking up the signal. Well, what happens if your phone's not picking up the signal? You could take the phone. You could throw it against the ground, throw it against the wall, do all kinds of things. Nothing's going to help. That's not going to help the signal. There's something wrong that it's not picking up the signal. And you have to find out why is it not picking up the signal. You find out the Wi-Fi is transmitting like it needs to. But why is it not picking up the signal? And if it don't pick up the signal, you can't do anything. See, your spirit man is a receiver. It's to pick up the signal of the Holy Ghost. And you got to dial in, you know, the old resistor, the old radios, you know, and uh, sometimes on the car, you'd, you're trying to dial in the, the, uh, the, the, the station, you know, and sometimes it's 
We're glad that you're oh, there it is. We're glad you're here today. You dialed it in. Well, it's the same thing. You've got to dial in, and sometimes it's a little scratchy, and sometimes it's not coming in clear. Keep dialing in. Yes. You dial into the Holy Ghost by dialing into the Word. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I'll feed you with the finest of wheat until your heart's content. Hallelujah. Well, you know, James 1.12 tells us that there are rewards for the overcomer. I will feed you. Who's you? The one that hears, the one that obeys, regardless of other circumstances or contrary things. I will feed you with the finest of wheat until your heart is content. It's those that refuse to quit. You know that, you know, the Bible talks about the zeal of the Lord. Zeal is actually defined as a refusal to quit. God's never quit on you. He's been zealous for you. He's never quit on you. Even when you were dead in sin, he didn't quit on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Israel could have had the promised land, but they quit because of fear and they distrusted God. Forty years later, they came to the same decision and they entered into the land because they had faith and trust. And they were fed mighty fine in the land. The Joshua generation had their heart content because they listened and obeyed. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Philippians 4.11, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. All right? I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. Unlike most people say, oh, I've just learned to be I have just learned to be content with the circumstance. It's not what he said. He said he didn't say I learned to be content with the circumstance. I've learned to be content in the circumstance big difference because of life in jesus and living in obedience to the word that's in your heart setting your focus on him your hopes and your faith on him and hearing his voice so we can all do the things that need to be done no matter what the thing is that we face i've learned to be content or it's defined as being self-sufficient and living independent of the circumstances. It doesn't matter what circumstance I'm in. I live independent of that circumstance because I have learned the secret, and that is to keep my focus set on Jesus in whom I can do all things. Hallelujah. Independent of the circumstance. Oh, do you see what's happening with the economy? Doesn't matter. Oh, do you see what's happening in the medical area? It doesn't matter. You know we're entering into flu season. It doesn't matter. Don't matter. Oh, you know socialism's trying to take over. Don't matter. Well, what if they do take over? Don't matter. Yeah, but you know it, it could be hard getting food. Don't matter. I mean, what matters to you is what will bring you down. I've learned to be content in every and all circumstances that I ever face. This is called the stable life. 
you know, I don't need to get up in the morning and drink five shots of espresso to get myself going, cranked up. Oh, I'm, I'm ready now. I'm going to face the day. You're not facing the day. You've got five shots of espresso in you. You know, it's like, you know, I, I listen to some of these commercials on TV, and they're like, I don't let such and such of a sickness tell me what to do. I go my own way. You're not going your way. You're taking the medication. See, and, and what that what they wants to do is get you to think, well, that sickness is not in control. You're in control. No, you're not. Stop the medication and let's see who's in control. Now, I got nothing against medication. Just don't think you're in control. The medication is in control. If you need to use it, use it. It's not your total and complete deliverance and answer. That's what you need to know. Peter almost sank in the water, but Jesus walked him back in the boat. There is boats of medication, there's boats of doctors, there's boats of, of loans from a bank, there's boats of all kinds of things that you can use. But what was Peter to do when he was in the boat? Sure, because what did Jesus say to him? Why did Jesus walk him back to the boat? Why did you doubt, O ye of little, short-lived faith? So what was he to do while he was in the boat? Supposed to grow his faith. So he had, that's what boat living is about. Boat living isn't looking to the things of the world as your answer. Boat living is using what you need to use so you can survive long enough to grow your faith. And then when the Lord came to Peter when he was up on the rooftop and he got the vision about the sheets coming down, which had to do with going to the Gentiles, and the Lord says, there's guys coming from Cornelius' house, a Gentile, a Roman soldier. I want you to go with them. And what did he say? Nothing doubting. And I'm sure Peter remembered out on the water when he doubted. So from the time he got it back in the boat to the time the Lord came to him, what was he supposed to do? Grow in faith so he does not doubt. And then you find Peter, he's in prison. And what's he doing? He's ready to go to trial the next morning. What's he doing? Sleeping. Why? Because he's not doubting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you might have to meditate on that. Because, you know, you have to meditate on it because as human beings, we are such ditch people. You're either in the ditch on one side or you're in the ditch on the other side. But life with Jesus is right down the middle. And to be content in every circumstance and not be directed by the circumstance, that's down the middle. On the flesh side, it's like, oh, dear God, I can't do that. I'm going to be out of control. Thank God you'll be out of control because you're the one that screwed up my whole life. <laughs> okay, don't shut me down. I will feed you with the finest of wheat. It's the sweet taste of victory. So put the word of God in our heart, put it in our mouth, and hear the leadership of the Holy Spirit speak through the word of God. So here's a question for you. The three Hebrew children, remember? Nebuchadnezzar, three Hebrew children, the fiery furnace. If they got burned up in the furnace, would they have failed? Why not? 
Why wouldn't they have failed? Well, it doesn't seem like their faith would have worked. Thank you. A voice from the wilderness. They didn't bow. That's why they didn't fail. The test was you are to bow. Now, if you're afraid of that furnace, you will bow. If you're afraid of that sickness, you will bow. If you're afraid of that lack, you will bow. If you're afraid of whatever that fear is bringing, you will bow. If you're afraid of going without, you will bow. Wherever that fear is, you'll bow. It's called compromise. You will compromise where the fear is. And the more emotionally attached you are to something, the more readily you are to compromise. Amen. The three Hebrew children did not bow. They did not compromise. They stood their ground and they would not quit. So therefore, whether they got delivered out of the fire or furnace or not, they were the victors. Amen. How does faith come into us? What does it say in Romans 10, 17? Faith comes by hearing, right? A hearing. See, it is a hearing that brings about faith. Faith is produced from hearing. Hearing what? Hearing anything. Hearing, I could drive down the road, drive down I-95, I-75, and look at a billboard that says something, and I could put faith in that. And I go, oh, gee, I didn't know that. And I could put faith in that. I could do a Google search on something and find it and go, ooh, I didn't know that, and put faith in it. And yet you don't know them from Adam. You don't know if there's mental disease in that person. You don't know what kind of a screwball they are. They put something online and says MD, BBD, and, you know, PHC, ABC, you know, whatever. You know, they got all these letters. After. You don't know them. But we believe them. Why? Because we heard something. And usually it's something that agrees with us. Well, that agrees with me, so I believe that. So faith is produced from hearing anything. But the kind of faith we want only comes from hearing the word of God. It's faith for salvation and all that is included in all of our inheritance comes from and only from the word of God. It does not come because somebody prophesied to you. It comes from the word of God. And if anybody does prophesy to you, just like we talked about Sunday, you should have already known it on the inside. There's a witness on the inside. Amen. Second Timothy chapter three. Well, I got to get moving here. Second Timothy chapter three, verse seven. Hallelujah. He said, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, in the context, in fact, back it up just one verse to verse 6. And just look at the context of it. It says, for among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses. Verse 7, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So they're talking about these women that were weak women, okay? And these people would come as, uh, what would we say? Um, uh, pseudo teachers, pseudo preachers, 
And they would come in, and they would have all, they'd have all this great stuff to tell them, and they would just love, oh, they would just eat it all up. But they were always learning, but they never came to the knowledge of the truth. Because all they cared about was mental stimulation. And hearing the word of God has nothing to do with mental stimulation. It all has to do with spiritual edification. And, you know, people, some people have a craving for more and more knowledge, but not really for the knowledge of the truth. You know, James talks about be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Well, there were people that would, like this, they would go and hear the word so they can be an orator. They could stand before people and talk about it. They were not interested in doing it. They could care less about doing it. They just wanted to sound and look important. Why well, know what I'm talking about. Hear my words. I can't hear your words. I'm too busy looking at your life. And, you know, through the years, you know, because of the position I'm in, I've had people come to me and just want to impress me with their flowery words. But their life was weeds. Not impressed. All you've done is teach me or show me that you can memorize something. Whoopie-doo. Means nothing. Now, you do need to memorize it, but if it ain't working in your life, useless you've deceived your own self into thinking you know something why do people want knowledge but not want not want knowledge of the truth because that would lead to conviction that would lead to repentance i've known people numbers of people through the years 40 years of doing this i've known a lot of people <laughs> offended when they hear the word of truth well, pastor, it's, it's not that it's the word of truth. It's the way you say it. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant to call you a dog. <laughs> Jesus called him a dog. We don't take the children's bread and give it to you dogs. Yes, Lord, but even the, even the dogs look for the crumbs. See, she wasn't offended. She knew what she came for. She knew she wanted what she needed. She's not going to get offended. Amen. And that's only one example. See, what people want is more head knowledge and, super, and, and superficially exciting information. Just superficial, excited. Get you excited. Get you excited. Get you excited. <laughs> excitement. Excitement does nothing when the devil comes slap you upside the face. <laughs> Excitement ain't going to do it. The Phillips translation says they're always anxious to learn knowledge and information, but never grasp the truth. And John 17, Jesus said to the Father, thy word is truth. See, they never come to freedom because they don't come to the knowledge of the truth. They're not fed with the finest of wheat. Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. You'll eat the best of the land if you're willing and obedient. Hallelujah. It's not information. It's truth and faith in the truth that you start putting to work in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. 
Galatians 3.1. It says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the Lord or by hearing with faith? Foolish. He called them foolish. That was the nicer word. I've looked it up in other translations, and I decided we're not using those words. Because people could get offended. Foolish is enough. And foolish means one that doesn't govern themselves. Oh, foolish Galatians. Anybody flirting with false teaching is foolish. It's foolishness. Now, the Galatians are obviously those that have experienced this life in Christ. But now they're questioning this life in Christ. You know, when I first got saved, got filled with the Holy Ghost, started speaking in tongues, seeing the manifestations of healing take place in my life, seeing God meet my needs, seeing him come through, glory to God. And some people would say otherwise. I'm sorry, too late. Can't convince me. You can't convince me tongues has passed away. Your foolishness should pass away as quick as you think tongues has passed away. No, you can't convince me. You can't convince me that God don't heal anymore today. You can't convince me that God don't, oh, yeah, this sowing and reaping stuff. No, that's, that's not right. You'll never convince me. We built this building on sowing and reaping. You won't convince me. You won't convince me any more that that's passed away, any more than salvation's passed away. It's amazing how everything else has passed away except your salvation. Your salvation's still intact, but everything else has passed away. Glory to God. God don't do that stuff anymore, but say it, salvation. That's it. Because we don't want to go to hell. You know, you know, it's like my parents, you know, my parents were divorced before and then they got married. So the church, you know, the, ch- the church very much frowned on their divorce and being remarried. So they could not partake of anything in the church except they sent them offering envelopes every year. You can always give. You can never, never, never stop giving. You can always give. But bless God, you can't do nothing else. You know, yeah. Well, that's the same thing, you know. Everything else has passed away except salvation because we're saved and we want to keep that. (laughs) But you see, you're you're not going to convince me. I've already experienced these things. You know, the Bible talks about that you've tasted of the, the power of the ages to come. Well, I've tasted of it and I'm not going back. And you're not going to convince me otherwise because that talk that wants to try to convince otherwise is nothing but bewitching babble. That's all it is. It's babble that wants to bewitch you into thinking something else. Amen. And the word who has bewitched you, the word bewitch means to deceive and beguile, which is a word that was used in the King James Version of, of Eve's sin. The devil beguiled her. Deceived her, bewitched her. Amen. Let's look at that in the Amplified Bible. It says, Oh, you poor and silly and thoughtless and unreflecting and senseless Galatians. Well, that pretty much says it. I won't read it again. 
who has fascinated or bewitched or cast a spell over you unto whom right before your very eyes Jesus Christ the Messiah was openly and graphically set forth and portrayed as crucified. The Wish translation says they were unreflecting. Well, that says unreflecting also. Unreflecting. They, they didn't reflect. They just heard stuff and didn't reflect on anything. It's called not having... Um, um, uh, what do you call that thought? You're no, it's not rational. It's, it's a lot of people that they don't think that way anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's common sense. <laughs> anyway, I can't think of the word. <laughs> but it, it's, it's un, it's, it is unreflecting. They don't reflect. They hear something, go, oh, okay, and they don't reflect on anything. Therefore, they're silly and they're thoughtless and senseless. Are you with me? Don't relinquish your freedom with doubts about what you've already experienced. You've experienced it in Christ. You've experienced it through the word of God. You've experienced it with the Holy Spirit. Do not relinquish your freedom. Faith learned from the word of God produced that freedom. Why would you turn aside from it? Why would you turn aside? Well, people don't understand. Well, let them catch up. You don't have to explain anything to anybody. You know, God don't need a defender. God's big and he can defend his own self. Amen. You know, when 1993, I came back from uh, uh, ICFM convention and, and Jesse DePlantis and Jerry Seville had the last meetings. And in that service, son, something happened to me. The anointing got on me, changed my life, changed my ministry. I came back home and I was just like a walking volcano, just explode every time. Opportunity to talk the word of God. And people thought I was, what is wrong with you? Nothing. I'm just out of my mind. I'm in the mind of Christ. That's all. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and a lot of people didn't like me. They didn't like that. Too loud. That's too loud. It's too exciting. It's too, it's too this or too that. Or it's not what we expect from a pastor. I'm sorry. I must have missed that class. <laughs> I've had people tell me through the years, you don't look like a pastor. Really? What is a pastor supposed to look like? Well, you don't dress like a pastor. Well, what's a pastor supposed to dress like? I don't know. I never went to that class. That was extra credit. I didn't need extra credit. You know, but things just changed after that, and nobody understood it. But I wasn't going to try to explain it. Oh, let me tell you this. You know, let me, let me sit down with you. And just, no, this is just the way it is. I don't even know what happened. How am I going to explain it? <laughs> Obviously, something happened in that service where hearing produced a faith. Hearing that produced faith. Amen. Receiving the Holy Spirit in the new birth, you're born of the Holy Spirit. That's salvation, correct? Not by law, but by grace. You are saved by grace, right? Amen. Who has bewitched you that you should no longer obey? Who's bewitched? You've turned away from the word of God that saved you. You've turned away from the word of God that's given you direction on how to be saved and how to live. How could you turn away from that? 
it's not only salvation, but it's all the inheritance that God's provided for us. It's not law, it's grace. We don't live by law, we live by grace. Well, what's the difference? Well, the law says do. Grace says it's done. The law says try. Grace says trust. The law says you got to behave. Grace says you got to believe. The law points to the commandments. Grace points to Christ. Anybody's in here saved by the law, saved by flesh, saved by works? The wonder of grace is life in the Holy Ghost. That's the wonder of grace, life in the Holy Ghost. Now, some people say it's life in Christ. Well, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. It's life in the Holy Spirit. See, why isn't life in Christ? Because you can't go down to Capernaum where he is. You can't go down to Galilee where he is. You can't go down to uh, uh, Jerusalem where he is. You can't go any place where he is because he isn't. The only one that is is the Holy Spirit who's here on the earth. In fact, the only way you're going to get to see Jesus is you go to be with him. So life on this earth is not about being in, although you are in Christ, you're seated in him, but your whole life is about the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's on the earth today. Isn't that right? Amen. That's what the wonder of grace is all about. I've stepped into a life in the Holy Spirit. No one ever heard the law and was saved because of it. No one. But there is a hearing that leads to faith. Hearing, 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 and hearing, and hearing, and hearing. And about the time you're done and tired of hearing it, you need to hear it again, and hear it again, and hear it again. And about the time you're up to here, you need to hear it again, and hear it again, and hear it again, until you get it. Well, how many times do I need to hear it? Well, you ain't doing it yet. You know, Brother Hagen, after, what, 40 years of teaching faith, somebody comes to him and says, Brother Hagen, when are you going to teach something other than faith? And he said, well, as soon as you get this, I'll move on. <laughs> because we think that the old mind is king of the mountain. The mind is not king of the mountain in the kingdom. The mind is in second place, and it is to be taught by the Spirit out of our spirit so there's a hearing that leads to faith and only this kind of hearing can receive only this kind of hearing can receive see i can see what the word of god says about giving and and all this stuff and i can give and i can give and i can give but never receive back why because i'm not doing it in faith i'm doing it in law because the law says do so that's what i do but the grace says what it's done so I do it by faith, knowing it's done. Yeah. I'm just doing it by faith, and I know that the, the receiving takes place. Are you with me? It's always amazing to me how many Christians think that they have faith and don't even know what the Word of God has to say about the situation or the subject, and they have nothing in their heart about faith. I knew uh, this one person when they were a young girl. Uh, they had some uh, physical issues. And they went to bed at night believing, believing. They said, I believed that I was going to wake up in the morning and be totally well. And they weren't. Did they ever get counsel? No. Did they ever get direction? No. They lived their whole life mad at God. 
because they didn't get what they thought they should have had. And yet there was no hearing with faith. So they lived their whole life discouraged and offended. And many are like this. And they are sincere. They're just sincerely wrong. Totally wrong. Amen. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Be diligent. The Greek word spudadso. It means be earnest and eager. Hasten to do your best. Do it hurriedly with the implication of associated energy. Do it with the energy that the word of God supplies. What's the first thing that gets added to faith? Remember 2 Peter chapter 1? What's the first thing that gets added to faith? Virtue, which is power and energy. So when faith comes alive, there's an energy that comes with it. And in that energy is doing what you should do. The word of God, do your best, do it hurriedly, earnest and eager to do it. This word diligent in classical Greek means to treat it seriously and respectfully. Treat it seriously and, and respectfully. The King James Version for the word diligent says study. Well, you ought to be diligent to read. You ought to be diligent to study. You ought to be diligent to hear and hear and hear and hear. Hear it when you study. Hear it when it's being taught. Hear it in conversation. Hear it in prayer. Hear it in praise. Hear it as you meditate on the word. Hear it in your spirit. Hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it until you hear with faith. And when faith comes alive, energy will come with it, and it's the energy to do that which you believe. Now you're at a place to present yourself approved to God. The word approved, the Greek word dokimos, it means accepted and received. Prove yourself, okay? This word proved comes from metals being put into fire to where they would be purified, where the dross comes to the top and you get the pure metal silver coming out. Pottery that would be get put into the fire. They would put pottery into the fire, and I guess they call it cured or something, okay? And you put pottery in the fire. Well, some of them would come out just wonderful, and what was pottery designed for? To hold water. I know today we use them for decorations and all, but pottery was designed to hold water, like a vat of water, okay? If it has a crack in it, you can't hold water in it. So pottery that came out of the fire without cracks was called sincere. Pottery that came out with cracks was called insincere. Why? Because insincere pottery does not fulfill its purpose. Amen. That's what being approved means. Being proved and tried. Has, have you have presented yourself approved to God. You've presented yourself tested and tried. You've been through the fire. You've come out without any cracks. You are sincere and you are ready to fulfill your purpose. Faith. Real or not real. Sincere 
or insincere. That's what we're calling what we're starting to teach today. Faith, real or not real. Because there's real faith and then there's not real faith. We're not approved when we hear what the word says. We're not approved when we say what the word says. But we're approved when we do as a workman. A workman, a laborer. Working at being approved. Are we working the law? No. We work the word. Or we're staying obedient to the word of faith that came alive inside of me. Staying obedient to it. Okay? Doing that which one believes by the word of God. That's the workman. You approve yourself to God by being a workman. God is not proving you. You are proving yourself to God. Why? Because just like it says in James, you're proving yourself as a doer of the word, not just an empty hearer. A doer of the word. Amen? Are you with me? This doer of the word is not ashamed. The word ashamed means not ir irreproachable. He's irreproachable. You cannot reproach this person. Just like what we said before. If you've already tasted salvation, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, you, you've, you've partaken of healing, seeing God meet your needs, maybe prayed for others and seen them get healed, and somebody wants to tell you, no, that just doesn't work anymore. Well, you're never going to be able to reproach me about these things. I'm irreproachable. Now, you can run your mouth, that's true, but I'm irreproachable. Your words will not touch me. Why? Because I'm a workman, and therefore, I'm unashamed. I am not ashamed. You want to talk ugly about these things and say they've all passed away and that's just a bunch of nonsense? Talk as ugly as you want. I'm unashamed. Are you with me? Stephen, remember Stephen out in the street? And he was preaching and um, he stood confidently before the false teachers and declared the truth of the word of God. So irreproachable, they could not stand the wisdom coming out of his mouth. And they had to shut him up. Well, pastor, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to die. Get ready. <laughs> get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> well, you know, three Hebrew children, they didn't bow. You want to be the victor, you don't bow. Stephen didn't bow. I mean, you're threatening, you letting somebody threaten you with heaven. We can stand confident before false teachers, before false reasonings that try to bewitch us, before lying circumstances comes to steal our freedom. All these things want to bewitch us with babble. It's all a bunch of babble. Circumstances want to tell you how your life's going to turn out. Babble. Reasonings that want to tell you how this is going to turn out. Babble, just a bunch of babble come to deceive you, bewitch you, and cause you to turn away. Bewitching babble. 
It can come from other people or it can come right from your own self. And you have to recognize it from wherever it comes from. But you won't recognize it unless you know the truth. If you know truth, you can recognize the lies. Amen? Can we do one more verse? James 1.12. Thank you. I was going there anyway. <laughs> it says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Okay. Now, remember, this person has heard the word. He's put faith in the word. He's doing the word. And now he's got trials going on that's come to steal the word. The babble has shown up and wants to rob his freedom. But he takes a stand. He makes his place. He goes through the fire and he comes out without cracks. He's sincere in his faith and his faith works. And therefore, now he is approved unto God. And this person will receive the crown of life which is the victor's crown. This is not the crown of salvation. This is the victor's crown, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. They love him, they hold fast to him, and they obey his voice. Glory to God. Amen. They have persevered. They have remained under. They've endured, and they bear up. They hold to the promise of God where their faith is set and make their stand without moving unashamedly hallelujah. hallelujah see paul was not ashamed paul said i'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of god unto salvation to whoever believes right and then what did he say when he would write to the philippians or others he'd say don't be ashamed of me in chains because i may be bound but the gospel is not the whole praetorian god heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. So the question has always been the same through the ages. Is what I am believing according to the word of God or is it what I believe in myself? The answer is always the same also. What is the witness of the Holy Spirit within you? Not what do you think? We don't give a rip about what you think. What is the witness of the Holy Spirit within you? This is why life in the spirit is so important because there's so many things that sound good, seem good, and make you feel so warm and fuzzy, but they're wrong. And you got to know the witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside. This is nothing about external stuff. Are you with me? It's not emotions, it's your spirit. But I, I just, I'm excited about it. Doesn't matter. But I really think this is good. Doesn't matter. What does the Spirit of God say on the inside of you? I suggest you get to know him. That's why he was sent here. Amen. So if you don't know, you might need to get counsel. Or maybe we just run to other people that don't know either. Just to justify our own position. Well, just with a show of hands and, and you over there on live stream and podcast, you can answer this question too. If you have financial trouble, are you going to run down to the homeless camp and get some advice? No. no, but when we have spiritual problems, we go to spiritually bankrupt people to find answers. What's the difference? 
There's no difference. You're going to people that can't help you. What do they do? Babble. It's all they do is babble. And they'll talk you out of that which you want to believe for. Because of their babble. When I first got saved, I was believing God in a certain area. And I went to this prayer group. Uh, and uh, in that prayer group, this elderly gentleman comes up to me. I say he was elderly. I was 30 at the time. He was younger than I am now. <laughs> and he comes up to me and he says, now don't be surprised if that doesn't happen because the Lord. And I'm thinking, you're a fool. I mean, I was just born again and I knew you're a fool. That's foolish talk. And you still hear people like that today. Well, things didn't work out exactly what I thought, what I planned, and what I wanted, and what I expected. So maybe the Lord didn't want it. That's foolish talk. That's babble. You don't know God, and that's why you're babbling. If you know God, you will know Genesis to Revelation without an issue. Well, I don't know how this could happen in the old, because you don't know God. If you know God, you can rightly discern and handle, hand, handle accurately the word of truth. If you know his nature, you'll never be misled. Amen. It's not just knowing a word for a situation. It's knowing your God. Israel knew his acts. They knew him in the situation, but Moses knew his ways because he knew his God. So it's what is the witness of the Holy Spirit in you? Do we want someone to agree with us or do we want help to change? It all comes down to that. I mean, I've done, you know, through the years, I mean, I've sat with people and talked with them and all. And a lot of people come because somebody else wants them to come. But they don't want to change. Okay, so you don't want to change. So we're kind of all wasting our time. We can go out and drink espresso instead. At least we'll get something out of that. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? You know, time and time again, we've done counseling with couples, and the woman be crying in a puddle of tears about on the ground, crying. And the husband sits there and goes, I don't know what the problem is. You're the problem! <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we don't do that. <laughs> we have had some sessions where we almost had a tussle. <laughs> okay, where were we? Are we looking for information or are we looking for truth? Your answer will determine your amount of persevering. If you're just acting on information, you won't persevere. I mean, you will so far as your flesh will take you, but you won't persevere to the end because the devil whip up on your flesh all the time. But if you're walking in truth and you know it's truth, unchangeable truth, you'll persevere to the end. When we're under test, trials, temptations, and the pressures of life, we have to remain 
take our stand and fight the good fight of faith. You know why he calls a good fight of faith? Because it's a fight. That's why it's a fight. And even though you're going to win, it's still a fight. Because the other guy don't want you to win. And he's not going to lay down so you can win. You're going to have to fight and win. This is the person that works the word, the workman. That is not a shame. Not following bewitching Babel. He has been approved. The works are not approved, but he himself is approved. Your character gets developed in the midst of the trial. See, your trial is not just about the thing that you need or want. There's also the character development that's needed within the trial. And sometimes that's the biggest part of the trial is the character development. Of course, many times the shortness of our character is what's creating the problem. So character development in the midst of this trial. Show yourself approved and unashamed workman. Not the works being approved, you being approved. And for that person, the crown of life, the victor's crown belongs to you. It's the victory of the games and the victory of the battle. It's the fight, the victory of the fight. The victory of faith is the crown, the crown of healing, the crown of prosperity, the crown of peace, the crown of discipline, the crown of self-control, the crown of faithfulness, the crowns, all crowns for overcoming all the way to the end and you enter into eternity and you have rewards of crowns or based on the crowns that you've received. It's called keeping the faith. Paul said, I fought the fight, I have kept the faith, the faith. The faith is different than living by faith. The faith is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and not ever letting go of that. That is the faith. And then there is by faith, where we live by the word of God, thank you Jesus, live by the word of God and partake of the inheritance that belongs to us. Keeping the faith. The crown, what does he say? For those who love him. Choose life, he says in Deuteronomy, by obeying his voice, by loving the Lord and holding fast to him. We set our love on him, so therefore we want to walk in his ways. Grow in these things, develop in these things, continuously increasing. The laborer is worthy of his wage. Are you working the word? Then you are the laborer and you're worthy of the wage. It's called the crown. Amen. Hallelujah. Maturity will do this no matter what the cost because of their love for God. They love God more than the food. They love God more than the riches. They love God more than the kingdoms, you see. So maturity will do this no matter what the cost is. They will do this because they love God, not just his stuff. Feed you with the finest of wheat and honey from the rock so your heart's content. Why? Because you love God. You listen to God. You're walking his ways. It leads to peace and prosperity in our life. True peace and prosperity. It's nothing like it. Because why? Because it doesn't matter what goes on around me. I've learned the secret of being self-sufficient in the midst of every circumstance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not overnight leaps. This is line upon line, precept upon precept. This is a growth process. Walk, it's the walk of living by faith. 
for character changes, for peace in our life, for conformity to his nature, for health and for prosperity and being that which God has called us to be. It's a walk that comes faith by faith, glory to glory. A little here, a little there. Hearing, 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 hearing. And one day you will look and see in that area your enemy is no longer to be found. Why? Because you chose to walk away from the bewitching battle and take hold of the truth and only walk in the truth. And every step you take will be a successive step of victory that receives a crown. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. It says this in um, Psalm 143. I'm not sure which verse it is. It says, teach me the way in which I would walk. Teach me to do your will. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. You know, to take that and start meditating on it and declaring it every day. Lord, teach me the way in which I would walk and teach me to do your will. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. See, when that life starts to get into order, it leads you down a path. It tells us in Isaiah 58. It leads you down a path of peace and prosperity. Peace and prosperity. Glory to God. Glory to God. Isaiah 58. 8. Isaiah 58. Oh, 143. 143.10. Okay. Thank you. The other one is Isaiah 58.8. He'll lead you down that path. Your righteousness will lead you. It's in the Amplified. Your righteousness will lead you in a path of peace and prosperity. God has a great life for you. A great life. He, it is his desire to feed you with the finest of wheat until your heart is content. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we bless you, Father. We honor you and we glorify you, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, we sent your anointing right here, right now. That these things would become a reality in our life. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to walk in your ways. Help us to do your will. That which we've heard tonight is your will. Help us in these things, that we would walk in them, that we not just be forgetful hearers, but that we'll take these things and meditate on them. Bring them up on the inside of us, Holy Spirit, so that they'll come to our remembrance, that we can think about and muse over them and ponder them, and then drop them back down on the inside of us and start the process over again so I can hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it, and hear it. Until faith comes alive, energy is released, and I can walk in the results and benefits of it. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. I receive it right now in the name of Jesus. I receive that to myself in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, as we come before you with our giving, thank you for the opportunity to bring our seed before you. 
and it is watered by your word, and it grows because of the heat of your anointing. And Lord, as we sow our seed, we do it by faith, and we declare that I am the one that gives, therefore I am the one that will increase all the more. I thank you, Lord, that what you bring into our hand, that there's seed to sow again, there's fruit to share with others, and there is harvest, Father, to move into the things you'd have us to do and use our finances for. Father, we thank you for it and bless you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thanks again for joining us on live stream and on podcast. We're so glad that you could be with us tonight. And I do pray that uh, tonight you start to understand there's a difference between truth and bewitching babble. Don't let anybody move you off of the truth, that which you know in your heart to be truth based on the word of God. Keep it, guard it, protect it, and you will see that you will overcome that which comes against you. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. Thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. Should you need prayer about anything, please let us know, and we'll stand with you and believe God for your needs to be met. Amen.